Welcome to The Spark Effect, the most famous podcast you haven't heard of. I am your host, Wendy Durrell, bringing you stories, advice, support, and the most fascinating guests on the planet. I believe it just takes a spark to change a life. Let's do this thing. Hello, everyone. How are you? So many of you reached out to me because you noticed that last week's episode never aired. And I told you I would explain why today. So before we get into today's episode, let me tell you a quick story. (laughs) I when I moved to New York City, I moved here as a stage manager, I'd been working in theater all through college and then after. And and when I got to New York City, I ended up falling into like the UCB crowd. If you don't know, it's it's where a lot of comedians start a lot of people from SNL start there. And I worked with people there, I did photography for them. So I kind of was familiar with the world of comedy. And I thought it would be such an interesting topic to bring, you know, comedians, sketch comedy people, club owners, all into the spark effect to talk about what the lifestyle is like in comedy. So I had booked a whole bunch of people from all different, you know, areas in comedy, forgetting that, and this isn't all of them, (laughs) because a couple of them were super awesome and on time. But it was kind of like trying to wrestle a bunch of kittens into one place. (laughs) Almost everyone flaked, like, and, and just kept it was it was just excuse after excuse after excuse. And, and it was funny, because I was, I was talking to another friend of mine, and, and who books um, bands and musicians and said, you know, working with musicians is awesome until they decide to like get on a boat instead of <laughs> show up for a gig. And it was kind of like we were laughing about it, because I had that same experience. It was just it was impossible to get them all in the same place at the same time. And it hit the day of and I only had a little bit of interview, it wasn't enough to do a full episode. And I said, you know what, let's shell the comedy episode for a couple weeks because this is way too much stress for me. So we're here today and today I'm here to bring you a food addiction coach. Jennifer Allenbeck reached out to me directly um, through the Spark Effect podcast email address and pitched a show to me and I was so impressed with her because she basically she was talking about the first episode of the spark effect, how I talk about how diets suck. And I still think diets suck. I don't think they're sustainable. And I think that most people yo yo and go off of them. And in the episode, I talked a lot about, you know, um, not believing that anything should be off limits. And, and, you know, following certain, you know, certain moderation, but not having like really strict rules, and finding balance that way, and through, you know, fitness, and she came back and she said, that's really great. But that does not help people that have food addiction. And I kind of stopped because I I had never considered that, that um, affliction and didn't know a lot about it. And I am someone that I love to learn about health and nutrition and other things. So I, I accepted her proposal right away. I said, yes, come on the show. Let's let's hear your knowledge. So we're going to get to the interview. And at the end, I will give you information on how to reach out to her. If you are someone that thinks that you might suffer from food addiction, she is she was a fantastic person to talk to and so knowledgeable. So let's get to it. Jennifer, welcome to the Spark Effect. Thank you. I'm so excited to be here. Me too. Um, nutrition and specifically health is such a huge passion of mine. But I don't know a lot about food addiction. So I'm, I'm super excited to, to hear what you have to say and hear your story. Yeah, I really appreciate the opportunity. You know, I re- I struggled for so long, for decades. I too was a chubby child. 
Um, and then I started to get obese in my early 20s. And I'll tell you, there is nothing worse than when the doc, when you hear those words from the doctor that you're morbidly obese, it is just so devastating. And I battled and battled until I was about 45. And the reason why I'm so passionate about it is because nobody told me. None of the professionals, I was in eating disorder treatment when I was 21, and no doctor ever said to me, you know, Jenny, you are addicted to sugar and flour, and if you take these out of your diet, you can successfully live without the obsession and the craving and the compulsion and the, the worthlessness that comes with food addiction. Right. Interesting. So, so what, what did they have you do initially? What were they telling you? Um, you know, it was just go on a diet, lose weight. You know, that was the basic in treatment when I was 21. Um, they did introduce me to sugar, you know, uh, get away from sugar. They were on that boat, but you could still do flour. So little by little, I just started getting heavier and heavier. And then I was back to binging again. Again, because flour and an excessive amount turns into sugar. So it's like eating the same thing. So um, that didn't help. But granted, that was many, many years ago. I'm now 50. So we have a lot more science and data behind us. And what drives me crazy also is that even in this world where we know sugar and flour is so addictive, there's, it's so hard for people and this is why yo-yo dieting and they go up and they go down because they don't really understand. It's not just about, you know, they have a physical addiction. Right. And in our country, it's, it's so easy to obtain. It's, it's almost easier to obtain those things than, than healthy options. Well, it is unbelievable. But this um, uh, fact came out by the World Health Organization that globally over 1 billion adults are overweight. And 300 million of these are obese. I mean, the numbers are staggering. It's staggering. And now it's really affecting our, ch our children in this country. Oh, it encompasses so much. But I really want to offer help, freedom, peace. There is life outside of, you know, when you're a food addict or any type of addict, your life revolves around copping your good you know, getting what you want to get your fix. That's what your life revolves around. And people with food addiction are hiding in dark parking lots, shoving fast food in their mouths. Their cars are, they're filled with ants. They're, you know, puking. It's coming out all ends because they have bulimia. It, it's just horrific. And this is a day in, day out that they live with. And there, it doesn't have to be that way. There is hope. There is a solution. And as a you know, a food addict, food addiction coach, that's what I offer. I want people to know that they do not need to suffer like this. Right. For you, what was your turning point? When was your like aha moment? Oh, great question. When I was 45, it was my 45th birthday and I woke up and I just felt miserable. And I was, to be truthfully honest, I was in a loveless marriage. I was obese. I was 200 pounds at the time. And, you know, I have to be honest. Also, I knew that I was so far off the path that I felt my higher power wanted me on. And I had all this potential. I have a master's. I'm educated. I'm well-traveled. 
all that didn't matter because I had this horrible, looming food addiction, number one, and this self-loathing and this just miserable. And I got on my knees, I cried, I asked for help, and I, and I knew that it started with the food for me. I knew that that's where I had to get my life in order because my life became very small because it was all about getting my food. And, and, and then I was so embarrassed to be seen that I never wanted to leave the house. You know, I have three children, so I would go and do, if I had to, drop them off, take them anywhere. But then that was it. I was home and isolating. And addiction is extremely isolating. Um, uh, We have this saying that the more food and the more choice I have and the wider I am with my food, the smaller my life gets. But the tighter I am with my food and the smaller I am with my food, the larger my life gets. So what led to the taking out the sugar and the flour specifically? Okay. Yes. So I come from addiction. It runs in my family. So I was well aware of 12-step programs and I started to seek out 12-step programs and I found one that introduced me to this way of life of not eating sugar and flour and watching quantities because, you know, binge eaters, they can binge on carrots and they'll eat bags of them. We're into, you know, some people are real quantity eaters. So they opened up the door to this world of, wow, I really do have a physical allergy just as valid as somebody has a peanut allergy and needs to walk around with EpiPen, you know, or somebody gets a rash when they have sugar, when, uh, when they eat strawberries. When I eat sugar and flour, I cannot stop eating crazy. But, you know, the health and wellness industry, which is so vast, and there's so much information out there. And there are people like you who are able to find balance and work the, work the nutrition along with the exercise, and they get to a sane, healthy place. But there, like I mentioned to you, there are a group of us that that doesn't work. We have to take a a deeper line in the sand and say, you know what, we can't just have one. And there's uh, the, the majority of the medical field and the eating disorder field still believes that everything in moderation, you can still have that once in a while, but you would never, they would never say that to a cocaine addict or a heroin addict. And that's just as insidious and destructive sugar and flour. And some people just cannot pick it up. And it's evident how addictive it is because even people who may not be addicted, but the minute they put it back in their diet, let's say they go on a diet, they go to whatever they do, Weight Watchers, whatever diet of the month, keto, and they start watching, they do lose the weight. But the minute they get off their diet, they start gaining it back. Yeah, no, that that was kind of my experience with when I did the keto diet, I, the second I reintroduced carbs into my system, I gained all the weight back. And, and actually, your email stood out to me because I, in my first episode of this show, I talked about how diets in general suck. And I, and I did say in the episode that I don't think that anything's off limits and, and moderation. And I kind of loved that you, you, you 
we had a rebuttal for that because <laughs> I had never, you know, I, I don't know a lot about food addiction and these other groups of people. And so what, what do you think the differences are and how do you identify if you do have a food addiction or if you are just um, maybe a milder case of emotional eating or do you understand what I'm asking? Absolutely. 100%. Food addiction and food addicts know because they have such a compulsion. First of all, they have a, um, a mental obsession followed by a physical compulsion. So once they get a bite of cake, you might be out in a restaurant, everybody, you're with your friends, you're socializing, you get dessert, and you might eat like a lady or a gentleman in front of people, but you want to literally lick everybody's plate clean of the food. Like you know that one bite is not enough and a thousand is never enough and one is too many so to speak. I do believe that there are many people who are food addicts. They struggle with their weight their whole life. They're just not aware of it because they've never taken it away and out of their diet that they don't realize how, how much it is consuming their life. I mean, people literally, they call themselves foodies. Their whole life revolves around food completely. And that's not a healthy balance. And when you find yourself obsessing about food all the time, or you're having, you know, food dreams, or you're stashing, you're hiding food in places so nobody sees you eat, you hide, you can't wait till the kids go to bed so you can eat, you're, you hide from your spouse, you've already had dinner, but you come home and make dinner and eat dinner again. Um, true, it, it, you know, there's a scale and a range of, you know, mild to extreme. Yeah, it sounds like there's almost like this panic around it. For if you are on definitely on the extreme side, there definitely is a panic. Like you need it just as much as a cocaine addict or a heroin addict needs their fix. And you you do panic if you're not gonna get it. You do worry if you don't have your stash or how you're gonna get your food. You think about it all the time. It's just it's all encompassing, really. That's the extreme. Then there are people that walk around and they seem to be happy and everything's wonderful. They just don't mind being 100 pounds overweight. And weight is not the indicator. It really is how you feel about yourself when you put food in your mouth. So you could be super heavy or not. You could be a regular size, healthy, in a healthy body, but it's how you feel mentally when, you, let's say you have a slice of pizza. Most people can have a slice of pizza, walk away and feel good, and they go about their life. A food addict or somebody who has issues will have a slice of pizza and think about the how many calories they had, how long they have to exercise for in order to burn those calories. That type of thinking is not normal, healthy thinking. That is definitely on the addict spectrum. Since you've started working with other people, what has surprised you the most? Um, usually, you know, I only work with people who are absolutely 100% ready, but what's always beautiful to watch when they really, when they get the food down and they get into the rhythm of their weighing and measuring and not eating sugar and flour and how to really conduct their life without eating sugar and flour, um, is how much they appreciate and they realize how much they've been missing and how lack of present they've been because they've been so consumed with the food and running and being busy or, you know, distracted instead of being really present. 
And when you get present with your food and you get present to the rest of your life, just like an addict, when they put down their alcohol or their drug, they get present to all other areas of their life because they're no longer consumed with their getting their stuff. So all of a sudden, they're showing up in their relationships. They're showing up at work in ways that they just haven't for so long because they've been numbing out. Right. Now with drugs and alcohol, there's generally a pretty standard detox time for most people. Do you find it the same for people that have food addiction? No, it's different. No, good question. Very different for everybody. Some people can detox within a couple of days. Some people, it really does take months. It depends on how much you're consuming on a daily basis and how much your body is retaining and holding on. And it just is different for everybody. Some people experience headaches. Some people don't. Some people go through massive withdrawal. Some people are all exhausted. People get weepy. There's all sorts of different side effects. You just stay focused. It, it all evens out, but it does take time. Right, because we're all so different physiologically. What is the hardest part of your job? When somebody's having a hard time putting down the food. That's the hardest. It's like finding that magic word that's saying, what is good? how can I help them the best in that moment to pull them through the difficult craving or obsession period so that they get to the other side? That's probably the hardest part. Because it's, you know, it's different for everybody. You know, what's going to click with somebody may not click with somebody else. So, you know, I have all sorts of tools and they, you know, like I said, I work with people who are really ready to make a life transformation. This is not a diet. A diet, it has a beginning and an end. This is, you are ready to change your life. You are ready to show up in your life in a different way. You want to add years of life to your, you know, you know, add longevity to your life because sugar and flour absolutely has so many detrimental side effects if you continue to abuse it. You know, our brains get smaller. It brings on Alzheimer's. Um, forget about all the, the negative medical side effects that people are suffering from. I mean, if you have diabetes or you've been diagnosed with as pre-diabetic, you should be off sugar and flour. It should be a no-brainer. But people would, it, it's amazing how baffling this disease is because people will get their toes cut off before they'll put down the food. It really is. It doesn't seem logical, but this is what's going on in, in, with people and in the obese, obesity community and the diabetic community. It's, it's, it's very sad. I'm, I'm certain that I have listeners that, that believe that they have food addiction. What advice would you give to them um, to start today that they could do? Today, if you wanted to start today, I would say if you are fortunate to live in an area, check out some 12-step programs, see if those are something that would work for you. I know they're not everywhere and I know that they're not for everyone, but I do always recommend that. Or get yourself somebody who truly understands addiction because I've gone to many a nutritionist and a dietitian, and when they don't understand it, you know, I, I felt like a unicorn. Like I had this big thing hanging out of my head and nobody understood what I was talking about. And I get it. They don't. And that's okay. But 
I think it's super important if you are a food addict or you believe you have this addiction, you've got to find somebody who understands. So you hire a coach like myself, or there's plenty of coaches out there that not many of them specialize in food addiction, but they are available. So that's what I would do. And um, get yourself a digital scale. That's a physical thing that you can do because quantities are a real problem for food addicts. But the thing with food addiction is like anything else, you know, when you're getting off alcohol or drugs or cigarettes, the best way and the most successful has always been to like stop cold turkey. You can't keep putting the product in your system and expecting to be able to put it down because your body's asking for more. You know, if you pick up one cigarette, you want to finish the pack. You pick up one drink, you want to finish the six pack or whatever you're doing. The same thing is with food. So it's got to be a drastic line. So, you know, like I have a whole full comprehensive program that comes with a food plan and there's constant contact and you write down your food. There's a whole system that I have that helps food addicts begin in a healthy way. There's a lot of, there's got, there's a lot of deconstructing that has to go on. And then we have to build it back up in a, in a proper healthy way with good habits and good, good tools and techniques. What do you wish more pe- that, what do you wish that more people knew about food addiction in general? That it's a real thing and to have compassion. It is not, you know, there's, there is this thought out there that people who are heavy are just lazy and gluttonous and they don't want to exercise and all that stuff. And that is not the case. You know, I, when I see an obese, obese person, I say for the grace of God, go I, because I understand it. It's not rational. I know I'm not supposed to be eating bags and boxes of crap. I know that but I can't stop. And to just be more compassionate and to really understand that their lives are limited. We are not friendly to the obese community. Um, Interesting side note, I was just on a plane. I flew into New York for a friend's 50th and the the bathroom, I'm a size two. The bathroom I barely fit in on the plane. And I went to this party and one of our friends happens to be a commercial airline pilot. And she said, I told her, I said, you know, the bathrooms are getting smaller. How could that possibly be? And she said, yeah, that's what they're doing. And I said, you know, how I'm a size two and I barely fit. How could a normal size? And let me just say a normal size woman now in today's world, according to the CDC, is 55 pounds overweight. The average American woman. That is astonishing. Yeah. So, you know, it's just we need to be more compassionate and understanding. Fat people do not want to be fat. If you are happy in your body size, wonderful. And that's great. And I wish you well. But like you said on your show, Wendy, you said, look, overweight people, whether you're healthy or not, you're putting your health at risk. Our bodies are not designed. Our heart is not designed to carry all this extra weight. So anybody who's walking around overweight, you are putting your health at risk. And thank God we now have this movement of self-care going on. And it's the buzzword and everybody's talking about it. But let me tell you, the best self-care you can give yourself is to feed yourself healthy. 
the manicures are wonderful, the facials are fabulous, and that's all wonderful. But the bottom line is, this is the only body you have. It houses your soul. You need to take care of it if you want to have a long, healthy life with, with, with minimal medical problems, hopefully none. Yeah. And, and uh, family members and friends, when they see someone who's very overweight and may be suffering from a food addiction, they give them a whole bunch of weight loss advice, which is probably like the worst thing they could do. Yes, absolutely. Believe me, it's painful enough. We know we're overweight. I mean, I used to love it and you probably got this too. Oh, you have such a pretty face. Oh my God. Oh, yes. I'll you know, agree. right? <laughs> how long did you have for how many years did we hear you have such a pretty face they never said if you would just lose the weight right do you think i wanted to be overweight never all i wanted i would have cut off my right arm to be thin i would have done anything but i just couldn't do it on my own this is something very important if you are out there and you have addiction it's not something you can very few i should say there's there's you there's a few people who can who knock it out and walk away and they're fine on their own. But the majority needs support. You need help. You need a support that says when you're having a really bad day, you got some bad news or you screwed up at work or your kids or whatever, and you want to just grab for the tub of ice cream or you want to just go out and get a really big fattening meal, you, got, you, you need people to call and to support you and say, look, you know, take some deep breaths. There are other ways. Let's talk about this. And you learn how to rewire the brain, re rewire your cues and handle that, that stress. You know, I often say addicts have delicate nervous systems and we need to take care of ourselves extra, extra special. Yeah. And having that support and community is so important. Is there anything that I've missed that I should have asked you? Um, I don't think so. I hope that people just hear that they are not alone and that there's nothing. It's not their fault. You know, I had a guy reach out to me once and he asked me, like, why am I like this? Why can't I just be normal and eat like a normal person? And this is a, an important distinction I would like to make. There are those of us that have had this addiction most of our lives from childhood. We've been chubby and we've been struggling with it for most of our lives. And then there are other people that are waking up in their 20s and 30s and going, what is going on? I'm overweight. I can't stop being, why, why is this? And it is because the food industry has deliberately and calculatedly, if that's a word, engineered our food so that we are becoming addicted as a nation and as a world people. I mean, the numbers are there. The obesity is proof that we just, our bodies are physically craving what they're putting in our food. And that is making us addicted. And this guy was struggling with that. So, you know, we had to really work on what he was taking in and he had to learn that, wow, this, this stuff is just like cocaine to me. I can't have it. Yeah. And then we have kids learning from their parents. So it's going to, unless the, the cycle gets addressed now, um, and it's so, so wonderful that you, you do work with people. I wish there was more of that. Unless it, it, it gets addressed now, the numbers are just going to keep increasing. Well, the numbers are going to keep increasing. I think education is fabulous. 
But when you're dealing with, we've learned that all the education in the world doesn't stop an addict from using. Mm -hmm. We know that. But, you know, the diet and food industry spends millions and earns billions pushing their products. So you have the diet industry on one end pushing thin is beautiful and he try this quick fix. And then you have the food industry saying this food is so yummy and makes you happy too. So there's so many, um, there's so many pieces to the puzzle in, that have to be addressed in order for, for us to really get obesity underway. But, you know, my goal and my mission is one person at a time. If I can help one person get out of the pain and the misery and the self-destructing of food addiction, that's what I want to do. I love that. Jennifer, thank you so much for visiting the Spark Effect. I will make sure that everybody has your contact information and, uh, and a way to reach out to you. Oh, thank you, Wendy. I really appreciate your time. Thank you so much. Jennifer, thank you so much for guesting on the Spark Effect. It was such a pleasure speaking to you. If any of you would like to get in touch with Jennifer, you can go to her website, jenniferallenbeck.com. All of her contact information and social media links are in the show notes. Reach out to her. She's she's pretty amazing. Big thank you to all of the listeners and especially the Spark Effect crew. The Spark Effect crew keeps the lights on here. This show is always free. If it's worth a few dollars to you, head on over to our Patreon page and join the Spark Effect crew. You get a shout out on the show, my eternal gratitude and some bonus content each month. I hope everyone is healthy, happy and well, and I will see you all next week.